welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swartz, and today is the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who have prepared for those who love you good things which no eye can see. Fill our hearts, we pray, with the warmth of your love, so that, loving you in all things and above all things, we may attain your promises which surpass every human desire. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah. The king's leading men spoke to the king, Let Jeremiah be put to death. He is unquestionably disheartening the remaining soldiers in the city and all the people too, by talking like this. The fellow does not have the welfare of this people at heart so much as its ruin. He is in your hands as you know, King Zedekiah answered, for the king is powerless against you. So they took Jeremiah and threw him into the well of Prince Malchiah in the court of the guard, letting him down with ropes. There was no water in the well, only mud, and into the mud Jeremiah sank. Abed-Melech came out from the palace and spoke to the king. My lord king, he said, these men have done a wicked thing by treating the prophet Jeremiah like this. They have thrown him into the well, where he will die. At this, the king gave Abedmelech the Cushite the following order. Take three men with you from here and pull the prophet Jeremiah out of the well before he dies. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, come to my aid. Lord, come to my aid. I waited, I waited for the Lord, and he stooped down to me. He heard my cry. Lord, come to my aid. He drew me from the deadly pit, from the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. Lord, come to my aid. He put a new song into my mouth, praise of our God. Many shall see and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Lord, come to my aid. As for me, wretched and poor, the Lord thinks of me. You are my rescuer, my help. O God, do not delay. Lord, come to my aid. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. With so many witnesses in a great cloud on every side of us, we too then should throw off everything that hinders us, especially the sin that clings so easily and keep running steadily in the race we have started. Let us not lose sight of Jesus, who leads us in our faith and brings it to perfection. For the sake of the joy which was still in the future, he endured the cross, disregarding the shamefulness of it, and from now on has taken his place at the right hand of God's throne. Think of the way he stood such opposition from sinners, And then you will not give up for want of courage. In the fight against sin, you have not yet 
had to keep fighting to the point of death. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. My sheep listen to my voice, says the Lord. I know them and they follow me. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were blazing already. There is a baptism I must still receive, and how great is my distress till it is over. Do you suppose that I am here to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. The father divided against the son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There's no doubt that the Gospel today is a difficult one. Do you suppose that I'm here to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. I've come to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it were blazing already. Maybe these words are a little jarring. Perhaps these words go against our default picture of who Jesus is and what he's like. It sounds a bit like Jesus is being judgmental. The Lord's being a little bit too aggressive. Well, admittedly, it is difficult to harmonize these words with the fact that the angels declare at Jesus' birth that he's the Prince of Peace. How do we reconcile those sayings with Jesus to his Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the peacemakers. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Well, I think the temptation here is to ignore the texts that challenge who we think Jesus is and just kind of rest secure in our default image of Christ. He's not really like that. This is just one of those weird bits of the Bible that no one really likes and don't pay much attention to. Well, it's very easy to fall into attitudes like that. And it happens very subtly. Well, Jesus is being a bit Old Testament here, but don't worry, he'll catch on soon enough. No. I think we need to dive into the scriptures and allow them to speak for themselves. Because it's the scriptures that tell us who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Not the other way around. So, what on earth do we make of these statements of Jesus then? I've come to divide families. I've come to bring fire. Well, I think if we're to understand these challenging texts, we're going to have to enter into the worldview of the scriptures. Fundamentally, the Bible sees the world as essentially good, but flawed. We're all one human family, but the family's dysfunctional. At the heart of it, there's something about the world that's not okay. 
It's not quite as God made it. G.K. Chesterton, the great English writer of the early 20th century, described humanity like this. He said, not only are we all in the same boat, we're all seasick. Now, what's being expressed here is the doctrine of original sin. And this is the vision of the scriptures. This is the description of the world that Jesus is entering into. Fundamentally good, but a bit seasick. Now, admittedly, original sin isn't spoken about much these days. It's not especially fashionable. But when we stop and take an honest examination of the world around us, we must surely be able to see that there's something wrong with humanity. Why is it so much easier to be selfish than selfless? Far easier to be arrogant than humble. Why is it so much simpler to exert my will over others than to strain to empathise with them? Now, don't get me wrong, humanity is capable of heroism too, but there's a tendency toward evil. It's just easier than pursuing the good. And this is how the 20th century mystic and spiritual writer Thomas Merton described it. Listen to this. He wrote, One of the effects of original sin is an instinctive prejudice in favour of our own selfish desires. We see things as they are not, because we see them centred on ourselves. Fear, anxiety, greed, ambition, and our hopeless need for pleasure all distort the image of reality that is reflected in our minds. Isn't that good? An instinctive prejudice in favour of our own selfish desires. It's a great way of describing original sin. And it's something that affects all of us by the simple fact that we're human beings. And this is the worldview of the scriptures. Yes, we are all fundamentally good. God has created us that way. But we're not quite as he made us. There's a rupture somewhere. Somewhere along the lines, things have gone haywire, and we aren't as God made us. We've fallen. We've tripped up. The book of Genesis describes our fall in a particular way, with Adam and Eve and the first rebellion against God. They took the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate it. They interrupted the order which God had placed in the world, and now there's disorder. Instead of being images of God's self-giving love, now instead, we have an instinctive prejudice of our own selfish desires. And I don't think we need to take this just on faith either. When we look around the world, and even when we examine our own divided hearts, we can see the sad remnants of a tendency to prefer ourselves. All right, let's get back to the gospel then. It's into this world that Jesus enters. He comes into a world where evil has a vice grip hold. And you can see this in the personalities of the characters in the gospel. It starts with Caesar Augustus, right? 
who brings great peace to the whole world. But how? Where did this Roman peace come from, the Pax Romana? It came by the sword. And then we hear about King Herod, who hears about the birth of the Christ child, this new king of Israel, and he's threatened. So what's his response? To slaughter all the male children of Bethlehem under the age of two. Here we see the selfish grip of power. And then we move to the figures like the scribes and the Pharisees, who manipulate the people in order to maintain their religious authority. We see Herod the Great's son, Herod Antipas, who murders John the Baptist because John condemned Herod for being in an irregular marriage with his brother's wife. And then we get to Pontius Pilate. He's eager to placate the crowd and hands Jesus over to be crucified, even though he knows he's innocent. It's a sick world. And let's not imagine that the world has done a great deal of improving since then. We still suffer the same disease. So what does Jesus do in this world? He proclaims the gospel. He stands up in the midst of sin and calls it out for what it truly is. In truth, he declares that humanity is sick and must change. Now, we might pause here for a minute and think, well, isn't that a little judgmental? Well, yes, it is. Actually, that's exactly the point. Jesus is sitting in judgment upon the earth and he's declaring this is not how it ought to be. And we mustn't think that Jesus is some namby-pamby weakling whose voice feebly says, why can't we all just be nice to each other? No, don't forget who Jesus is. He's God himself. And he's come in order to rescue humanity from this disorder that has separated God and humanity. He's on a rescue mission. And he'll bring us back from sin and death. And so Jesus enters into a fight. And he intends to deal definitively with the power of evil. He will diagnose the true sickness of humanity and he stands in judgment on the world. But here's the important thing. He hasn't come to condemn fallen humanity, but to raise it up. He's on a rescue mission. He doesn't just come and give us the moral law and whack us over the back of the heads and tells us to do better. No, he's come with his grace to forgive sin and to strengthen us so that we might become the kind of human beings that God has created us to be. He's not just the doctor who gives the diagnosis. He's the doctor who brings the remedy. He's come to heal the wound of original sin. And so Jesus has come to cast upon the earth a purifying fire that will consume our instinctive prejudice in favour of our own selfish desires. And then to point us toward the path of love, which is the opposite of selfish. It's the total gift of self. So is this good news 
to a sinful humanity. Is it any wonder that this is seen as a threat by those who hold the power? Those who have a vested interest in maintaining the status quo, they rail against Jesus. The temple authorities, the chief priests, the scribes, Pilate, Herod, none of them receive the gospel as the saving word, but as the threat that would topple them from power. So what happens? Violence. Division. In a certain sense, we may say that Jesus is the cause of the angry mob that surrounds him during his passion. But he is the Prince of Peace. His Prince of Peace, he might cause a stir. But he declares a true peace. Because it comes about through the law of love. Not through the Pax Romana, not by means of the sword. Jesus will bring peace through the total defeat of sin. He's not content to leave things as they are. He proclaims the coming of the kingdom of God, and this causes terrific division within sinful humanity. But Jesus brings a purifying fire. He causes unrest within the sinful pattern of our own humanity. He's unsettling. This peace can be mighty uncomfortable. This ain't the meek and mild Jesus, an I'm okay, you're okay kind of figure. This is the warrior Christ who will do battle with evil and his weapon is truth and his weapon is love. There will be division on earth, within communities and even within families. Because the gospel is a threat to the present state of affairs. And those who have a lot invested in the present state of affairs will be awakened into violent reaction. But Jesus doesn't shrink from the fight. He doesn't compromise with evil. And he doesn't seek after a false peace that will allow evil to live alongside the good. No, he's the true prince of peace. The only authentic peace is the one that's based on love and not on a stalemate between powers. So the Lord's not a kind of who am I to judge kind of person. He is the one to judge because he's God. He makes his judgment, but he comes with his grace ready to heal. He comes with a purifying fire that will cleanse us of our sinfulness. And how he wishes this fire were blazing already. How he wishes this fire would consume all evil in its heat. If only we would hear his invitation. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thanks for praying with us. And may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.